lecture is taken from the graduate course Introduction to Charitable Planning at Texas Tech University. To download the PowerPoint slides for this lecture, or to take the online quiz for this lecture, or to find out more about the Graduate Certificate in Charitable Financial Planning at Texas Tech University, go to EncourageGenerosity.com. So, yeah, okay. This is mostly a review. I want to just uh, quickly go through uh, the concepts again. Charitable gifts of parcel interest in property. What is it? We already know this. It's when a donor gives some rights to property but keeps some others. And I changed some of the examples. I'll tell you a little bit about why. Charity, here's the plant, but I keep the right to harvest it when I grow. Charity, I can't seem to rent out this office space, so I'll donate the use of it uh, to a charity. Uh, I'll give the charity this land, but I keep the mineral rights. Um, charity, I hereby give you my car, but I keep the right to drive it for the next 10 years. Okay? General rule, can't deduct these kind of retained interest or partial interest gifts. Uh, so no income tax deduction there, none there, none there, none there. Uh, that's the general rule. However, we have, um, oh, why do we have this general rule? What's the point? Here's the point. If I give part of property and I keep part of the same property, interest in the same part. After I take the deduction, there's a lot of clever ways that I can manipulate that property to get more value for my share and less value for the charity. In particular because the charity isn't going to complain about getting their share cut because it's more than zero and they want to keep you happy anyway. Okay? So it's not a normal sort of adversarial relationship. The uh, the, the, the IRS, Congress recognized that if you allow these kinds of things where, okay, charity, you get part of the property interest, but I'm keeping part, people could squeeze out the charity's part, take more for themselves after they've taken the, uh, the large deduction for the charity's part. Let me give you some examples of what this might look like. You know, charity, I give you this car, but retain the right to use it for one year. Now I want to deduct the current value less one year of depreciation. If we allowed that, after I take the deduction, I take the deduction, well, you know, here's the car in one year. It's the idea that I can change things in the property so the charity doesn't get that much value. Or here's one. I give the charity the right to use the newly planted acres of my olive tree orchard for seven years, and I want to deduct the rental value of that land. Now, by the way, olive trees don't produce for the first seven years, okay? Uh, <laughs> but, you know, okay. In fact, olive trees actually don't get to full production until 35 years. It's the reason why an olive branch is a symbol of peace, because you would never plant an olive tree if you were worried about invading uh, enemies coming over and burning down your grove, because you don't get anything for at least seven years, not full production for 35 years. Got to be live in a peaceful world to be planting olive trees. Uh Charity, I give you, oh, I like this one. I give you my $2 million company, but I keep the right to buy it back in three years for $2 million. Seems reasonable. Now, I'd like to deduct the $2 million. Oh, but by the way, this company, our only product is a risky new cancer drug that will either be approved or rejected by the FDA in three years, which means this company in three years will be worth either zero or $50 million. If I could do that and take a $2 million deduction, would I do it? Absolutely, because you know I get something worth a whole lot right now, and in, uh, if it winds up being worth $50 million, I just buy it back for $2 million, take my $48 million. If it winds up being worth nothing, hey, 
At least I got a big chunk of it while I, was, uh, while I could. It's all this idea that this is why we have this rule. That you can't give part of the interest in the property to a charity and keep the rest of it generally because you could figure out a way to take the value away from the charity uh, and still get your full de- after you've gotten your full deduction. That's why it's as a rule is not allowed. But we have certain exceptions to that. Now, I like the idea that the guy says no and the guy says yes, but this face is actually frightening to me, so I think I might change it because it looks like he's going to eat your face off or something. I don't know. Uh, okay, so we know these other exceptions, but uh, <laughs> uh, this is the one where the donor can deduct if he gives all or an undivided portion of his interest. Okay, so just to clarify what this is. If I own this, okay, and I give a leaf from that tree I own, that's a divided share, okay? And divided shares are not deductible, okay? For the reason that we just talked about. We don't let people do that because they'll figure out a way to make that leaf not worth as much after they take the deduction. We do allow the undivided share, which is a uh, undivided ownership, say a 15% ownership interest in the whole tree because there's not a good way for me to, uh, you know, cheat the charity out of its share when they own just a share of everything that I own, okay? It, it, remo- it removes that like possibility. If you that little chunk of farmland, that's a divided share. If I say out of this 100 acres, you can have the plot in the southwest corner of 10 acres, that seems like a divided share. Hmm, yes. Hmm. But it's an exception. Well, but it's a it's it's really not though it's almost like if i have 10 cars in my um in my driveway i have a big driveway and i give the charity one car i've given them the whole thing i haven't divided up the rights in that car they get the whole car even though i have nine other cars i didn't give them i don't have to give them all the cars i own i only had to give them one car when I cut off a 10-acre piece of property, I'm giving you all the rights in that 10 acres. I'm not keeping some of the rights of the, in those 10 acres to myself. I'm giving you all of the rights in that chunk of land, if that helps. But you are right. That is kind of confusing. It's like giving a tree into the forest because the leaf can't survive by itself. It's a divided portion Whereas the tree, giving an entire tree versus your car. Your car well, yeah, it's, yeah, exactly. It's like this. Let's say that I owned 10 trees. Okay. If I give you one of those trees, that is a deductible gift because I'm giving you the whole tree. It's the same thing with the acreage. I own 1,000 acres. I own a thousand trees. So basically you're saying it needs to be a fully functional, useful piece, not just an element of the piece. It needs to be all of my rights in that particular piece of property. A tree here is representing a piece of property. The 10 acres is a piece of property. Uh, a car is a piece of property. Okay. So I can it's deduct my car, but I can't deduct a tire. I give them a tire. <laughs> sure. I understand what you're saying. Yeah, you know, um, no, because a tire, I mean, yeah, yeah, a tire itself could be an item of property. But it's when we start dividing the rights. 
<laughs> it's, 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 it's when we start dividing the rights up that it becomes a retained interest. Isn't the dividing of the rights more like a dividing of the amount of time you can use the whole thing? It could be time, but there are other kinds of rights. I mean, I could give you a share of stock, but say I still get voting rights, or I could. I mean, we can dry, we can cut up property interest in a lot of different ways. It doesn't have to be time oriented. I still like my tree analogy. I'm gonna have to maybe think of a different one. Okay. So what is the terminology that we do use for that piece, that southwest corner? that we're not giving an undivided right to, we're giving that piece. What terminology do we use for that if we haven't divided up the property? It's just an exception. It's, it's not a divided share because it is, it is, it's, it, it is a, um, it is a particular, it is a separate piece of property. It is not a divided piece of property. I don't know if that makes, if that language helps or not. It's not a, um, the, the rights in that 10 acres have not been divided. I am not keeping any rights to those 10 acres. It's hard to think about that when the sign says, per se, I will divide. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um, my best shot. Okay. So some examples. I donate a West Texas cotton farm, but I keep all the mineral rights. That is a leaf from the tree that I own. I'm not giving all the property rights in that 10 acres. I'm keeping some of the property rights for that 10 acres. Mineral rights are part of the property rights of that 10 acres, and I'm keeping some of that. So if I, t- if I break off the 10 acres, I can give it, but I have to give all of it. I have to give all the property rights in that, that 10 acres. Okay? Otherwise, it's a divided interest. That's a divided interest because I'm dividing up the property rights in that particular um, chunk of land, and that is not deductible. Uh, I donate a 5% interest as tenants in common in a West Texas cotton farm, including all the mineral rights, theoretically, if they were all put together. That's deductible because here I'm saying you get a percentage of everything that I own in this particular item of property. Uh, okay, we already saw this example. I donate a painting, but I keep all the digital and reproduction rights. It's the same thing where um, I'm splitting up the ownership interests in a particular item. Uh, And that is not deductible because it's the leaf from the tree concept. Uh, If I donate a one-twelfth ownership interest in a painting, including the right to possess one month of every year, that is this thing where I'm giving an ownership interest in all of my rights. There is a special rule when we're talking about personal property, which is this that we looked at last week. Deduction is less of the value during the first or later transfers, and you've got to give all of it away within 10 years. If you don't, it gets ugly because we want to make sure that they're in the process of giving that item of art away. If you don't give it all away within 10 years, uh, then the whole world falls apart. You get recapture, which is all your deductions that you ever took on this thing are counted as ordinary income plus the interest, plus we'll throw 10% on top just for annoying us. It's IRS approach there. Okay, so when can I deduct a gift of a partial ownership right? Okay, suppose that, um, when is that possible? This is when it's possible. If a donor only owns a partial interest to start with, she can deduct a gift of all or an undivided share of it. Remember, because the reason that we don't like these 
uh, partial interest gifts is because of the retained interest. It's the idea that if I allow you to give away part and keep part, you're going to figure out a way after you take the deduction that the part you kept is going get, to uh, get a bigger chunk of the value. But if you only had this partial interest to start with and you gave all of it away, then we don't have to worry about that because you're not keeping anything that you can sort of cheat the charity out of their part and milk all of the value out of your part because you're giving everything away. So if we have a situation where all you own is a partial interest in anything, piece of real estate, whatever, and you give away all that you own or an undivided share of it, that is deductible. In either case, it is deductible. So for example, I give land to a charity even though I never owned the mineral rights. I don't have all of the ownership rights to that land. I never had the mineral rights, so I am giving them a partial interest, but I'm giving all of it away. Okay? So there's no way for me to cheat the charity by trying to, to uh, uh, milk more of the value out of my share. That is, I started out with a partial interest, I gave all of it away, that is deductible. I'm not retaining anything. In the same way, if I'm starting out with only this partial interest, I can give an undivided share in everything that I own. Uh, and so in this case, I donate a 5% interest as tenants in common in a West Texas cotton farm, even though I don't own the mineral rights. Is that deductible? Yes, it's deductible because it's an undivided share in everything that I own. I only started out with, uh, with partial rights and I'm giving a share of everything that I own, so we're not worried about the charity getting uh, cheated here or the deduction being excessive, so that is also deductible. Okay. Yes? If it's not time that you're giving to the cotton gin, what are you giving them in that 5% undivided ownership? If it's not that they can use your gin for 5% of the time? Uh, it's not a cotton... Uh, well, the example here actually is of a cotton farm, so it's a, of land. Well, it's like we were talking about before. If you have a 5% right as tenants in common, um, you, uh, you uh, for one thing, have a right to force a sale and take 5% of the proceeds uh, of, uh, of the sale. Um, if there's a rent that comes in, uh, you, can have, you, know, you would have a right to 5% of the rent that comes in, uh, but you can actually, with this ownership right, you can, you can force a division. Uh, okay, so this was from a revenue ruling that I thought was really cool. So you have to wrap your mind around these. Th these are the things that I get into that I think are fun when you start stacking these things, okay? <coughs> I have a vacation home. I use it for like one month out of the year. So we know I can give a charity the right to own my vacation home after I die by a remainder deed, and we know that is deductible as a gift uh, in... Uh, of, a home, uh, of a remainder interest in a home. That's what we just got through talking about. Now here's the cool part. After I've done that, what do I own? I own a life estate. That means I have the right to use this vacation home for the rest of my life. Okay? That's a partial interest, but it's all I own. I take this partial interest and I can give an 11 twelfths of that uh, undivided, uh, 11 twelfths uh, uh, of that life estate, I can give that to the charity and keep a right to use it uh, you know, every month, assuming that this is something that's generally useful and it's not like a vacation property that's only useful during the month of September. But assuming it's a generally useful property, uh, I, I keep the right to use it every September. 
I can deduct that life estate, uh, the 11 twelfths interest that I gave because I'm giving an undivided share in everything that I own at that point. Because all I own at that point is the life estate, the right to use this property for the rest of my life, which means I can deduct almost all of the entire value of this property and still get to use it one month a year like I always did. How do you value your right to use interest in your life estate? Uh, that's actually pretty easy to do because you remember that remainder interest value we looked at? One minus the remainder interest value is the life estate value because there's only two parts to the whole ownership. There's the remainder and life estate. Point, point three, yeah, right. Mm -hmm. This seems like it's, it's getting around the, the rules, like the thing where we gift it to my, well, I'll just gift it to my son and then get it back. Mm -hmm. It seems like it's getting around the rules and the IRS might look at that and say, oh, no, you're getting a little, it's, it's too rich. Yeah, this is actually from an IRS revenue ruling. So this, so this is not even a, this is not a private letter ruling. This is an actual, hey, guys, go out and do this. Uh, an actual IRS revenue ruling that says we're okay. Yep. Yep. And, and not only is this so cool because you can still use it, which is all you were using it anyway, and you can deduct everything else, but if you improve it, then almost the entire improvement is a, is a charitable deduction as well. It's cool. So is the next slide going to show us how much money they, they get for this transaction? No. The yes. Um, do you only pay taxes on the one twelfth that you have, or is you don't have to pay taxes on it anymore? If you okay. So, so the question is, well, what about property taxes? Uh, do I only pay property taxes on the on the one twelfth interest? Um, and and that is uh, that's generally how that would be divided. Uh, just as a tenant in common, you know, you have uh, of of ownership. You have a uh, if you owned. Uh, 10% of a farm, undivided interest, you'd have a responsibility to pay 10% of the taxes. Now, in this case, the life tenant has a responsibility to pay all the taxes okay. until they die. What? And the insurance, and the insurance maintenance insurance, yeah, yeah et cetera. Uh, and so that's something that, for example, the charity in accepting this gift, you know, they're going to want to make sure that they can lease it out during the rest of the year to make sure they can cover that and more. Um, but, uh, but yeah, that's right. You could set that up. So, yeah. No, no. See, the problem is, is that property taxes are payable if at any point during the year it was not used for charitable purposes. So you're still going to have the full property tax. No, because I'm living in it for one twelfth of the year. It's not charitable charitable property for one twelfth of the year. So you'll have to pay property taxes for the whole year, because the the the, the local state laws are written in that way. That if it's if it's used at any point during the year for not for charitable purposes. Um, so even if they were having, you know, church or something else in here for the other 11 twelfths of the year, they still have to, you still have to pay property taxes because I'm not a nonprofit. Yeah. Sir. Can you only take that deductible and, and the light on the right there for 10 years? Uh, yeah. Does that follow the 10-year rule? Does that deductible? Is, is it only personal property you have to transfer within 10 years? Or right. That's only personal property. And that's, that's for, like, art. That's really so what it's used for. this deductible indefinitely as long as this? You can, you can keep that, uh, that right to use that property every September for the rest of your life. And can you modify it later to 
to December? <laughs> Can you modify it later to take it back for 12 months of the year? No. Yeah. No. You, you would have, you would, right. You've actually sold it. Can you, yeah. you change the month? <laughs> as long as you had a transaction that looked like it was being fair to both sides, yeah. you know, the IRS is going to be fine. Um, you know, you, as long as it doesn't look like, um, you know, well, look, this is a vacation property that people only use during September, and so you're going to have to value that 11 twelfths that you're giving to the charity at maybe half, you know, that sort of thing. It's got to be reasonable. Yeah. I guess you would, you would really only do this with a private foundation because if you didn't have some kind of control, they could, they could sell your they, they can force a partition, they can sell your property, they can give you one, t you know, one twelfth of your life estate and move on their way. They may even, a new board can come in and they may even feel like that's their obligation. Um, but they burned a great down on Yeah. Yeah. You know, the, the interesting part is that, um, Yeah, you, you would want to have a circumstance where the where you uh, had some influence over the owner so they didn't force the sale, uh, and then you just wind up with it. Um, but it turns out that you can you can have that influence in a public charity, a small public charity, or if you're a big donor, big public charity. But in a small public charity, um, you could have um, quite a bit of influence to uh, to prevent prevent that from happening. Uh, so. Um, certainly private foundation gets you there quickly, but there are a lot of people who have the level of influence uh, in small nonprofit organizations that would feel comfortable with that risk. Um, whether it be a, um, uh, a relatively small nonprofit that they're uh, you know, personally managing and, and uh, somebody's raising funds for, or a local church that all their family goes to, you know, that is a small church and they you know, they're not worried about, I mean, they have enough influence that they're not going to get, somebody's going to force a sale on them. But you're right, you, you need to make sure that that didn't happen because they do have a right to force the sale. Well, and then the publicity factor, because if, if this happened to one donor down the line, would other donors be leery of entering into even that same sort of uh, giftings of any time? Yeah. In, in general, um, charities are not sort of sharp in their dealings uh, with with donors because it does not it does not pay well to do that because the amount of damage that one influential donor can have especially one that's been on all these boards and in all these retreats and these committees that you try to create um, it, you know it could be very expensive to hack off one donor. How would a tax be determined if you sold your life estate? Like how would you determine the tax rate? What, what would it be based on? Uh, so you're talking about capital gains? Would it be Say if your life estate's valued than your original asset because Mother Teresa lived next door and now someone mm -hmm. wants to just buy your life estate. Yeah. Um, you'd pay a long-term capital return sure. on that? Okay. Sure. Yeah, just like, just like any other property, although you've, you've, uh, yeah, you, you've given away parts of it. So it wouldn't be on your entire amount that you've... It wouldn't be like on the whole amount you pay for the whole thing right. because you've only got a portion of that now. But, yeah, you, you would use the, uh, the proportional share of your amount that you paid for it, um, which is the life estate, and we get that from the tax table, what the proportion is, and then, and then one-twelfth of that. And then that would be that amount of your, of your uh, adjusted basis 
this is what you would have and to. And if the charity forced the sale, since charities don't pay taxes, do you have to pay the taxes on one twelfth of the sale? One twelfth, your your share. Yeah, yeah, cool. All right. Uh, so that's what this is. It's a life estate, and you're giving an undivided share of the of the donor's interest. Now, this is not this is not being aggressive. This is actually a revenue rule from the IRS. So this is not. I'm uh, just point that out. I'm, I'm, some things I'll tell you when they're aggressive. This is actually not. It's just cool. It's not aggressive. So the revenue rule is one that they said, hey, you can go ahead and do this yes. without necessarily having a case to the independent side at all. Yeah, yeah. Um, we, we can talk about that in the <laughs> well, yeah, let me, let me give you the quick, uh, quick version of it. So you have um, the actual internal revenue code. That's the law that Congress passes. Then the question is, well, what does that mean? The ultimate source for what does that mean is a court ruling. And the higher the court, the better, right? So Supreme Court or uh, tax court, you know, all the way, okay. Um, so it is often the case that the IRS will have an opinion about what the tax law says and they will be wrong. And the way that you show that they are wrong is you have litigation and you go to court. You go to a tax court and the tax court or appeals court or whatever finally decides, nope, IRS, you're wrong. Um, taxpayers, correct. So that's one way to get laws. The other way is we um, figure out what does the IRS think the law says. Because if you are doing something that the IRS says, this is what we think the law means, then there's no reason for litigation. You both agree on what the law means. Even if you're both wrong, it doesn't matter because it's not going to be no litigation, right? So there are a couple ways that we can uh, find that out. One is through regulations uh, where it sort of describes this is generally how this law should be applied. The next is for a specific circumstance of a particular situation, of a particular person. We can do a revenue ruling where we say in this particular, and it's, it's, this is actually about a particular transaction, which is relatively similar to this one. I've sort of simplified it a little bit. In this particular transaction, this person wants to do, here's the outcome that we believe is the right outcome. And Everybody in the whole world can use this example for themselves. That's called a revenue ruling. Okay? So they're giving you official permission to use it and do it just like this as many times as you want. Now, the, the final thing we have is a private letter ruling. Private letter ruling is somebody writes in, pays a, a relatively small uh, fee, gets a lawyer to write in, and says, IRS, I want to do this transaction. Tell me what's going to happen how are you going to treat it? Okay, So they will then respond and say, this is how we're going to treat it. Private letter ruling on every private letter ruling says, this is only for you. Nobody else can use it as precedent. It's just for you and just this transaction. So you can't use a private letter ruling to say, IRS, you have to do this. They don't have to do anything. But what a private letter ruling tells you is it tells you what they're thinking. And if they're thinking the same way you're thinking, then you're probably safe. So we use private letter rulings, even though every single one of them says can't use it as precedent just for this person, because it lets you know this is what the IRS thinks about that. Okay, so rev revenue ruling is 
much stronger than a private letter ruling. So is a revenue ruling something that the IRS has initiated then? Well, uh, no, it's actually a response to somebody that requests in a particular, trans, uh, particular circumstance. I mean, I guess they could initiate it, but this one was oh. a particular, uh, particular transaction. So, I mean, for the most part, if they're going to tell you that for this transaction, for your situation, for you, rather, mm -hmm. this is how we're going to operate, I mean, it's going to be fairly yeah, yeah, that's the general idea. That's why we read private letter rulings, right. But, you know, you could have a change of administration and they could just change their whole philosophy on something and they could say, okay, we're doing it different from this way on uh, with private letter ruling. With revenue ruling, they would actually need to, to modify the revenue ruling, let you know because they know people are relying on it and all that sort of thing. Yeah. Um, Okay, I'll at least finish this up. We're like going backwards. This is the same topics I did last week, but I did them lousy. <laughs> but I'm doing them better. It's the depth of learning that's important here. Okay, the other thing you can do, you can divide it up any way you want if you give all the different parts to charity. Because again, what's the point of the rule? We don't want to have somebody keeping part of it and then getting more of the, uh, of the value out of their part of it. So you can give away the leaves individually as long as you give all the Exactly. Yeah. And stems. And stems and branches. Yeah. Yeah. So if I uh, if I give ownership of the land to the Red Cross, the mineral rights to the Salvation Army, and rent-free use for ten years to my local church, it's fine because I gave everything away. I can deduct it as if I gave all rights to one charity because that doesn't really cause us any problems. Would it technically have to be the rest of your life instead of just ten years? Uh. -uh. No, because, see, the thing is, is that if I give ownership to the Red Cross, then after the end oh, of 10 years, oh, okay. then the Red Cross gets it. I've given everything away. I, yeah. I just split it up that way to annoy the charities. <laughs> so here's the basic rule. If you don't give it or share the whole thing, you don't get a deduction. You can't rip an arm off and, uh, and, and, and get the deduction. <laughs> Unless, of course, it's one of the designated exceptions. All right.